All right, good morning, church. I want you to open the word today in whatever form you have it to Titus chapter 3. And uh, we're going to go to Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And we're going to read that together. And then when I finish reading that, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And you can respond by saying, thanks be to God. Okay. says this, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But, I love the buts in scripture, right? (laughs) But when the goodness and loving, my five-year-old son's like giggling right now, you know? Um, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ, Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. This is the word of the Lord. So today I just want to give you a few thoughts as we come to this beautiful scripture. Um, This was uh, just something that the Lord really led me to, and I, I felt very strongly that the Holy Spirit wanted me to speak on this scripture today. So I want to share with you today some metaphors for the life of a Christian, for the life of one who has called Jesus their Lord. And really what's on my heart today is why do we get this promise of abundant life in Jesus? And yet so many of us are walking around and living with such high levels of anxiety, such high levels of depression, Why are we, as Christians, still so burned out? Why do our lives look so similar to the people around us who don't name the name of Jesus? And maybe that's a question you've asked yourself. Maybe that's a question that has caused you to doubt your own faith. You've thought, you know, I've really done all the things, and yet I'm still here, and I feel a little like the promises of this Christian life are not all they cracked up to be. And you don't have to raise your hand. But if you feel that way, I hope today will be an encouragement to you and will maybe rekindle a fire and realign your understanding with the the knowledge and the goodness and the truth of the gospel of Jesus. So I thought no better way to begin a message today than to a little 
social editorial commentary on the ills of standardized testing in schools. You, you were excited about it. this is like a this is like a live Facebook post right right here you're like wow wow he's gonna go there no literally, literally Jen and I were having a conversation this week like when I was in school I was really good at testing like I knew how to game the system both Jen and I would you like for me to grab the handheld is that or is would just let me know if it's ringing okay but I was really good at testing. Any good test takers here? Come on now. You knew it. You knew that you could cram at the end. You knew how to game the system. You knew how to work the statistics of the multiple choice. You knew that C was most likely the option, right? You knew how to work it out to where you could get that grade, right? You got straight. And you know what? I would... I kind of bragged to myself. I wasn't a big bragger to everybody else, but I kind of felt good about myself that I was getting straight A's, you know? And it was, and I kind of felt good about myself that I didn't have to study like my friends. I was like, you guys, I tell you, here's how you do it, you know? But they didn't know how to game the system. They didn't know. I, I took my ACT once. I'm not going to tell you my score, but I did pretty good. But I can't tell you it was because I studied hard. I can't tell you because I actually synthesized the knowledge that I received. It was because I was really good at taking tests, right? Now, I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but anybody bad at taking tests in the place, all right? You were like, I hate you right now, right? You're like, I, I just, oh, my biggest frustration in school. Why did they make me take a test? The metaphor for you today is that what if I wasn't rewarded because of my test scores? What if at the end of the day I came to my teacher, or I came to the principal, or I came to the faculty, and I said, hey, here's my report card, give me my diploma, and they said, I'm sorry. You can't have your diploma. And I'm like, hey, wait, wait, hold on. I followed the rules here, all right? I got the test done. They're like, but you didn't really learn anything. Well, <laughs> How are you telling me? What's the measurement for learning something? They're like, uh, well, I'm sorry. We, we, uh, we just have to say that you've actually flunked. But my A's, my, my straight A's, what about my straight A's? What about this test score? I even did the bonus and got 110. Is there really 110%? Let's be honest. I mean, isn't that actually like the antithesis of knowing math, right? Don't you understand? Like 110 110% on a math test? Oh, come on, guys. Don't you understand? Okay. But isn't that often how we approach the Lord? Friend, you got to stop coming to Jesus with your report card. If you want to stop living in the lifeless self-righteousness of dead religion, you got to stop coming to Jesus with your report card. You got to stop gaming the system. Stop looking at the rules and thinking, okay, I got this figured out. All right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to kind of go halfway there, but it's going to look right to everybody else. And I'm going to get in. He's going to look at me and he's going to be like, man, you got it made. You're awesome. Look at that score sheet. Yeah, 110%. Let's go. Come on into the kingdom. You got the biggest house in the whole thing. 
That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. Jesus doesn't care about your report card. Because Jesus sees the heart. He sees that you really cheated when you were acting like you were excelling. He sees that you really, your heart wasn't in the learning. All you were in it for was a, for was a test score. Here's the truth. You can't game the system of the kingdom of God. God has made it impossible for you to game it. Why? Because he knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your motives. He sees you. And he's going to call you out on it. Not because he's ready to just like point out your faults, but because he loves you. If you don't first come to Jesus, recognizing that you got a zero in the real report card of life and of righteousness. If you don't first come to Jesus knowing that you have nothing to offer him, then you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It reminds me of this scripture, Luke 18, 15 through 22. We read it in 242, a little plug for 242. We have good spiritual discussions there. Come on, enjoy one. All right. Uh, You're welcome, Pastor Jacob. Uh, We read this scripture in our 242, and as I was, the Lord had put this on my heart and just really came together here. But I want you to listen to this familiar parable in light of what I just said to you. Verse 15, now they were bringing infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called to them saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for such belongs to the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what what must I do to inherit an eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. You know, Jesus is baiting him right here, all right, In in, in a way that's like he loves this guy, but he's trying to like put something out there. He's trying to say, hey, all right. If you want to inherit eternal life, I'm going to I'm going to speak to you in your language and then I'm going to flip the table on you. I'm going to flip the script on you. So he calls out his report card, right? He says, let me see your report card. He said, uh, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, imagine the rich young ruler. He's like, all right, hold on. I know I got it here somewhere. Hold on just a second. (laughs) Yes, Jesus, all these things I have kept from my youth when Jesus heard this he said to him one thing you still lack sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me but when he heard these things he became very sad for he was extremely rich and this is not a a parable about the man whether we should be rich or not this is a parable about how you are coming to the kingdom of god This man may have very well obeyed all of those commands that Jesus did. But what Jesus is saying to him is, I don't care about your report card. What I care about is where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And your treasure is not in me. Your treasure is not in the salvation that is offered to you in the kingdom of God. 
You are living in an economy that is me plus me plus my works plus me following the rules plus me gaming the system plus me doing all the commandments and look at what I did, Jesus. And there is no entrance for you into the kingdom when you come to Jesus like that. Because there is no amount of do-gooding that you can do that can earn you a spot into the gateway of the kingdom of God. And this is a simple gospel message. And you may say, I've heard that before, but have you believed it? Are you still living a report card life with Jesus? Why are Christians still so anxious and burdened and burned out? Because we're still coming to Jesus with our report cards. But listen again to Titus 3, 4 through 8. I just want you to hear this scripture for you today. Whether you've been following the Lord all your life or you, you're still on the, on the fence with him. Okay, okay, I want you to hear this. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, Right? Not because you came with a perfect report card, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, those are things that by their nature you cannot do. You cannot wash yourself. You cannot baptize yourself. You cannot give yourself the Holy Spirit. You cannot be renewed from the inside out. Only Jesus can do that. Regeneration, renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us. He poured out on us. He poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus, our Savior, so that we, being justified by his grace, might become the heirs according to the hope of eternal life. See, God made up the rules. God created it all. God brought the wrath and the justice, but he also brought the sacrifice. And God brought the resurrection and new life. And God brought the invitation to you. And he did it because he loves you. Friend, he loves you. He loves you so much he gave you a free pass into his kingdom. But it's what you've been trained to do. It's what we've been trained to do. We've been trained to measure up. Right? We've been trained that we are what we do. That we build up a body of work in life and that's how people respect us. That's how people value us. That's how in a company we, we gain value is that we do things that become more respectable. We play the game right. We put things in the pockets of the right people and we get to the right place and we're elevated. But that is not the kingdom of God. And it's a beautiful message to you today and to all of us that frees us because I don't have to be famous. I don't have to be in this great position of leadership. I can be obscure. I can be nothing. And I can have everything through Christ. That each one of us, as we walk into the kingdom of God, walk in with nothing. Isn't that the great message of the real equality of the kingdom of God? That regardless of our accolades or our the place we were born, 
or the color of our skin or anything, that we all come to Jesus with zero. But until you come to him with nothing, you will not get the everything of the kingdom of God. So that's metaphor number one, standardized testing. All right, y'all with me? I want to give you a second metaphor here. The question I have for you is, are you digging holes or are you digging wells? Are you digging holes or are you digging wells? Because oftentimes the work of being a Christian can really get flipped on its head. We feel like we are doing the works for salvation, right? But what Jesus invites us to do is to be saved so that we can do good works. That's what we find in Titus 3.8. This saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. It's not so that those who do good works may be careful to believe in God. Are you hearing me? Those who believe in God and all the things that we just talked about before that, you know, the renewal, the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, the, only, the things that only God can do. When, when we see him do that, then we believe, then we do good works. You hear me? Come to the kingdom to work. Don't work to come to the kingdom. Come to the kingdom to work. Work for him. Work for the Lord. I love this quote from Dallas Willard. It says, our walk with Christ, well learned, is a burden only as wings are to a bird or engines are to an airplane. If you have felt burdened down by the life of Christ, by this walk of Christianity, friend, perhaps you got the work and the salvation mixed up. I want to set you free today. The Lord wants to set you free today to do the good work of his kingdom because he wants to say, you can work for free. And you're like, that doesn't sound like a good idea to me. <laughs> I don't like to work for free, okay? I like to get paid for my work. But what Jesus is saying is, I have given you everything you need, so come and work with joy and with freedom. Come and work. And here's the thing. When you work before you come to the kingdom, you're digging holes. You're digging a hole of prideful religion, or you're digging a hole of sin. You're digging a hole of trying to measure up, and, and you're working hard, and you're getting nowhere. You're just digging a grave. You're just digging a hole. Or you get the choice to be redeemed by Jesus, to come to Jesus and to walk in through the narrow gate that he said, I am the doorway. If you walk in through the doorway and you lay down your report card, you lay down the need to prove yourself to the Lord and you say, Jesus, I come to you with zero. I have nothing to offer you, but I need your mercy. Be like the blind man on the side of the road who says, Lord, have mercy. Can you just, can you just come to the Lord? with a desperation that I need you. I'm so anxious. I'm so burned out, God. I'm so tired. 
and I've called your name and I've called myself a Christian and I'm still here and I'm just done. And it's empty and I just feel like giving up on you, Jesus, because all your promises are just not, it's because you've been over here and you've been digging a hole. How, how tiring is it to dig a hole day after day and see no results? To see nothing that is refreshing your soul, friend. If that's you, I want to just put it out there to you. That maybe you've gotten the work and the salvation mixed up. And I want, you, I want to invite you to stop digging holes. And I want to invite The work may look the same. You may have the same desk. You may be sitting in the same chair at the same computer. You may be sitting around the same annoying, obnoxious co-worker. You may have the same boss. You may be driving, putting in the same parking lot. You may, you may be doing all the same things, but somehow Jesus changes everything. Because now there is purpose to your work. Now you're not digging holes that are going to be pitfalls for future generations that are going to cause people to look at your Christian life and look at Christians and be like, there ain't nothing there. Now you're digging wells that are digging down and you're finding living water and it becomes a stream of living water that people come to for generations. A well like the well of Jacob that the woman at the well comes to and says, people have been coming to this well for generations to draw up. And Jesus says, I am going to give you water that you will never thirst again. Come on, folks. That's where the life, that's where the release from anxiety comes. That's where the release from the burden of the work comes. That's where the freedom in Christ comes. It's when you start digging wells. Oh, Lord, would you redeem, as I enter into your kingdom, would you redeem my work every day? Help me to dig a well that that my kids could drink from. Help me to dig a well. Come, let, let there be living water that my neighbors could come and draw from. Oh, Lord, light me on fire for you that I would be the light of the world that you wanted me to be. A city on a hill. Come and let me dig a well for your name, Jesus. And I don't even care if it's called Aubrey's well. It doesn't matter. Because <laughs> people may come to that well generations down the road and they don't know who dug it. Oh, but there's still living water there, friend. That's what we do. That's what happens when you flip the script, when you stop working to come to the kingdom and you come to the kingdom to work. Come on now. I hope this sets you free. I hope this gives you a sense of like, of that easy yoke that the, that the king, that the shepherd gives you, the good shepherd. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. You know what? You were made for work. Aaron talked about it, I think a few weeks ago, that, that work was present in the garden. We were made to work before sin, before anything. We were working and it was good and it was beautiful. You were made to work. But let Jesus heal you. Let Jesus invite you into his kingdom first. Come to the Lord with nothing first. Start digging wells. Stop digging holes. And how do we do that? How do we do do that? I just want to give you a practical thing. Align your work every day with the heart of God. So I got a secret to tell you, okay? And I, I need you to kind of keep this between us, okay? Even though this is being broadcast all over the world through the internet 
um, I watched the live stream of the If Gathering. Okay? The If Gathering is a, if you don't know, it's a live stream conference all over the world, but it's for women. Okay? But Jen sent me the link while she was there and she said, you got to watch this. You know? So I watched a few sermons. You know, I watched my girl Bianca Oltoff. You know, she's all right. You know? Uh, I watched Jenny Allen. I had to watch my man John Mark Comer, you know? Uh, but it, all of it was about Psalm 23. I thought it was a beautiful way of framing a conference. Hey, let's get together and let's all speak on Psalm, 1, Psalm 23. Yes, amen. Let's do it. I'm in, right? But one of the things that John Mark said was, I wake up in every morning before I move, before I do anything, I say Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I encourage every one of you to create a habit in your life that before you wake up, before you wake up, it's kind of hard. Okay, once you wake up in the morning, when you're in that groggy state or when you start feeling the anxious thoughts come in, when you start seeing the undone tasks and the to-do list start building up, before you let those things rule your life, you say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What is the other interpretation of that? Jesus, I come to the kingdom with nothing. But in you, I have everything. The Lord is my shepherd. Another translation says, I have everything I need. What's the opposite of that? My sin is my master. I shall never have enough. And how many of us are living in that place? Honestly, no game in the system here. Being honest with yourself. How many of us take off and allow our anxiety, allow the undone things, allow the pressures and the stress of life to rule our days because at the, at the beginning of our day, we don't stop and put our foot in the ground, draw a line in the sand and say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I have nothing to offer you, Lord, of any worth unless first I come and enter your kingdom completely dependent upon you. That's an everyday thing. That's not a, salvation is not this, just this one-time thing. Yes, you are justified before the Lord, but through salvation, through the cross, through the blood of Jesus, your sins are washed clean. Though they were scarlet, now they're white as snow. You are justified before the Lord. You are put in right relationship. You, are, you become the righteousness of Christ. And yet, day by day, you are sanctified. Over and over again, you are becoming more and more like Christ each day. And you've got to have these touch points every day where you wake up in the morning and you say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. That's how you work freely. That's how you do what you do as unto the Lord. That's how you work in a really terrible situation and job. Listen, he said in, in verse one, he said, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Well, I don't want to do that. To be obedient. Pfft, no way. To be ready for every good work. All right, yeah, I can do that. To speak evil of no one. Maybe. To avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Man, this is hard. Yes, it's hard if you're doing it out of your own will. It's really hard if you're doing this, right? You're just digging holes. And you're just spilling all your energy out. 
But if you say, Jesus, I have everything I need. There's nothing anybody could take. What can man do to me? What can that annoying person, a co-worker right beside me do to me? What can somebody do to me if they start bad-mouthing me or talking about me? I have everything I need. Let's go. Do you see? Do you, I'm not, I mean, that's kind of funny, but it's real. That's the truth of the kingdom of God. That's what happens when you come to Jesus and he gives you salvation. He comes and renews your heart. He comes with the Holy Spirit and refreshes you. Is that you have a spring of living water inside of you and can't nobody take it away from you. You're going to keep me away from the water cooler? You're going to tell me I can't eat lunch? You're going to tell me all this? I got living water right here. Come on. The disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, aren't you hungry? He said, I, I got bread that you don't even know about. I got water that you don't even know. That's you. That's me. Somebody trying to bring you down. Somebody trying to, you're like, hey, I'm just going to keep digging. Because I ain't digging for you, boss man. I'm digging this hole for Jesus. And we're digging holes. We ain't digging holes. We're digging living water. We're digging a well that's going to that's gonna break forth in this place. It's going to spring up into revival in this workplace. Are you with me? Do you feel it? Do you feel the freedom that comes when you follow Jesus and you come to him with nothing? Then you, I have everything I need. What can you do to me? Not in an attitude like, you know, but like, I can love you even though you hate me. Because I have been loved when I had nothing. I have been loved when I had set myself as an enemy against God. When my sin had positioned myself for wrath and death and condemnation, Jesus came and he welcomed me in. I don't even know how I'm standing here. Yet I'm here in this beautiful place in the kingdom of God every day. And listen, I just want to give you this last little thing here. We're going to close it up. But uh, just some practical questions for you, all right? And I'm going to use the word could here because it's very important. I'm not a word, going to use the word should. Should is a word for digging holes. Could is a word for digging wells. Okay, listen. When are you running when you could be resting? When are you spending when you could be giving? When are you worrying when you could be praying? When are you grinding when you could be trusting? When are you holding when you could be letting go? Could is something that you have. You have a freedom. Should is you have a law, but could is you have the freedom. Why are we still anxious? Why are we burned out? Because we're living in this place. If you've ever watched the Netflix show, uh, Stranger Things, any Stranger Things fans in here? All right. You've seen it. You, the, in Stranger Things, it's kind of like this sci-fi weird, like 1980s E.T. comes into the new. It's, it's, it's interesting, right? But they have this whole, I don't know if that's a great description of it, but you know, <laughs> you're like, man, I really want to watch this show. Yeah. 
You probably don't. I stopped at season two because I'm a Christian. Okay. Uh, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Oh, man, that's funny. Uh, there's therefore now no condemnation. Uh, but they have this whole thing, which is, they call it the upside down. And it's this kind of realm that is in parallel to the real world, but it's, it looks just like the real world. It has the same buildings, the same trees and everything, but it's a dark place. It's called the upside down. And if you're there, you're trying to get out of the upside down. You don't want to be in the upside down realm. You want to be in the real realm. And I've heard it said, and I've said it too, that this is the, that the kingdom of God is the, that Jesus came to bring in the upside down kingdom of God. Right? Have y'all heard that? Anybody heard that? What I want to say to you today is that that's not true. That Jesus came to bring the right side up kingdom. That the kingdom that Jesus is bringing is right side up. And that we're living in the upside down. And until you come by the invitation of Jesus with nothing and come through the portal, through the gateway of Jesus Christ and the salvation, the saving work of Jesus that has nothing to do with what you've done or not done. It has everything to do with what he's done. When you do that, you come out of the upside down and into the right side up. And then your work has meaning and freedom. And then all of your life has the living joy that is promised to you in Jesus. The abundant life in Jesus is yours. And you wake up every day and you say with joy, the Lord is my shepherd. I have nothing that I want. I have everything I need. I just want you to imagine just for a second, if you could live that way, would that change the way, you're Christian, the way you're perceiving your Christian walk right now? Would that change the way you're living your life with Jesus right now? Oh, Lord, I hope it would. I want to light a fire in you today that that invitation for you is open still. That maybe perhaps you've been following the Lord for a long time and you've still been sitting outside the gates. And you've built up nice religious structures and they look all good, but they're lifeless. And they're about to... They're just built over a sinkhole. Would you come into the kingdom? Stop sitting outside the gates. Josh, why don't you come up, brother? I know we got to move on here, but Psalm 84, I want to leave you with this. And I've, I've always struggled with this psalm a little bit, but you'll know, I'll tell you why in a second. It says, for, your day, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I've always thought like they in your courts is better than a thousand. That God's courts was like a worship experience. When I grew up, it was like, oh Lord, I had this amazing experience in worship with you. I'm in your courts, but then it just never lasted, right? And then you had to go back to your normal life. And I wonder, man, how do, you, how do you sustain a moment like that? How do you sustain an experience like that? And it's because I was seeing it from a different perspective, is that the courts of the Lord, when you're welcomed into the kingdom through Jesus, one day here is better than a thousand back over here. You hear what I'm saying? One day living with the knowledge that the Lord is your shepherd, you have everything you need. One day here 
is better than a thousand over here. One day, living as the lowly doorkeeper in the house of God is better than being a king outside the gates. There is so much joy here in opening the door. Hey, I'm just, I I don't care. You tell me what to do, Lord. I'm going to open the door. I don't care if anybody knows my name. I got joy today. I got freedom today. I I got all that I ever needed. I don't need someone else's approval. I don't need the stats. I don't need the likes. I don't need to know that everybody likes me or doesn't like me or thinks I'm cool or thinks what I have to say is great. I just, all I have is you, Lord, and that's all I need. So I'm going to open this door today with joy. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Can you get that in your heart today? So I'm going to invite you to come. We're going to invite our prayer partners and those that are serving communion today. I'm going to invite you, just give you a simple invitation. Are you still sitting outside the gates? Are you still coming to Jesus with your report card? It's time to come to the altar and surrender. And this is, communion is a great way of refreshing our understanding and our covenant with the Lord and his covenant with us. (laughs) The body and the blood are what made the way for you to enter. So as you take communion today, I want you to remind yourself that it is the work of the Lord that has given you the place in God's kingdom. And if you've been digging holes, come and repent. Come and kneel down. Come and pray with somebody. Come and and just lay down before the Lord and ask him for his mercy, his good mercy. This hymn says, Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. Come ye thirsty, come and welcome God's free bounty glorify. True belief and true repentance, every grace that brings you nigh. Let not conscience make you linger, nor fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requires is to feel your need of him. Come on. So we're going to just open up the tables for communion. If you come down these aisles here and just exit through the men. Oh, everybody, you guys can go ahead and stand. And I'm just going to call you to the Lord. If you're sitting outside the gates, I'm not going to give you some emotional thing. I'm just going to ask you to come. The Lord is inviting you. By his grace, according to his mercy and his righteousness, he wants to wash you and he wants to renew you by the Holy Spirit. He's pouring it out today. Come to the altar. Come to the table. Be put right with the Lord and enter the gates of his kingdom today. Amen. The table of the Lord is open.